This is Love Marriage Again with Dr. Siobhan, the place where wives are empowered to embrace their marriage and feel completely in love with their husbands again. If you are a wife looking to create a happier marriage by transforming yourself, you've come to the right place. Here you will be inspired to fully accept your husband, be in control of your own happiness, and create a marriage that truly lights you up inside. Now, let's get to the work of loving your marriage again. Well, hello there. It is Dr. Siobhan here. I am delighted to be with you today. This is my absolute favorite time of the year, this period between Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year. And I am always thinking about what people are going through right? This is a time of major celebration for me and my family, but I also recognize that when you're really struggling in your marriage, it can also be a challenging time where you have the gatherings and the people and the time together more often than you might during other parts of the year, which can create a lot more opportunities for conflict and issues. And so in honor of this time of year, I want to provide you with an amazing resource that I created that will help you get through the holidays fight free. In fact, this is a training series called Fight Free Holidays, and I created it with the intention of helping you navigate three particular aspects of communication. The first is avoiding arguments in the first place, which I'm sure all of us would like to have many fewer arguments or difficult conversations that don't end well. The second goal was to help you to de-escalate arguments or tense conversations so that you actually end on a positive note. And then the third goal was to help you quickly recover when those conversations do go wrong, because inevitably they will. So these next three podcast episodes are going to be dedicated to sharing that training with you. It is a training that I announced and delivered quite quickly, so quickly, in fact, I did not even have a chance to share it with you here on the podcast, but I want this information to be accessible to you and to live on in a format that you can easily get to whenever you need it, not only during the holiday season, but at any point in the year. So I hope that you enjoy the next three weeks where I will be sharing each week one of the trainings. These were mini trainings where I taught for a portion and then responded to questions from the live audience. I know you will find it valuable. I know you will find it helpful. And it is my desire that you have an amazing and enjoyable holiday season that is fight free between you and your spouse. So 
Get your pen, get your paper, and be ready to take action on this information that you are going to hear. All right. Hello, hello. Welcome to Fight Free Holidays. Isn't that a fun title? I was so excited when this idea came to me because there's so many things that are unique to the holiday season. And I know if you're like me and my family, there's so much going on. And that if communication is an issue for you during a normal week in your marriage, it can be even more difficult adding holidays, travel, lots of other decisions to be made as well as other people in the mix. So I am delighted to offer this three-day mini-series on how to have a fight-free holiday. So today we are diving into how to avoid arguments in the first place. And as I thought about these topics, right, the word argument and even the word fight for some people, in some couples, this is exactly what's happening, right? Like you have arguments all the time. It feels like you are fighting and in sort of intense conflict. Others, it is more of a like cold war (laughs) where it's just this like cold, awkward silence and distance, and you're not feeling really connected. You don't really want to talk to each other or be around each other. And so I want you to know whatever flavor this looks like for you is relevant, is appropriate. You are in the right place. If there's any aspect of your communication that you want to be different, even if you're not describing your conflict as sort of like the yelling and screaming at each other, where it's just like this icy distance. That is for sure what we'll be addressing and helping you problem solve as well. So I want to kick things off and I have notes and I encourage you to grab a pen and a notebook, but really I just wanted this to feel more like a conversation where you get to take the nuggets and laser in on what is most applicable and relevant for you and what is the thing that you are going to take with you and run with it, okay? So the first thing I want to do is really go over the anatomy of an argument or the anatomy of a tense conversation that doesn't feel like it's ending well. And it has four components. One is Usually a complaint or a need is expressed, right? Hey, why don't you ever plan a date night? Or, hey, I would love to spend more time together. Or, hey, could you help out more, right? Something along those lines. Then the next step is the partner receiving that complaint or expressed need or desire doesn't necessarily respond favorably. So they may brush it off. They may not say much at all. And that quote unquote undesirable response leads the person who initiated the conversation to fight for their position even more. Well, no, it's really true. Like you never plan anything for us to do, or it upsets me so much that you aren't around to help. Right. And then the fourth component is that person who, again, is receiving the complaint or the need 
becomes defensive even more or dismissive even more and has an even more undesirable response. What happens in this is no one's listening, no one's being heard, no one is feeling valued or appreciated or acknowledged for their experience. And overall, one's personal preferences or personal agenda overrides what the marriage needs and it overrides the marriage agenda. And I just want you to think about this idea of a marriage agenda, that there isn't really a me versus my spouse. There is one agenda for our marriage collectively. That agenda you both share, that agenda is to be together for the rest of your life, happy, in love, wanting to be a couple, right? And I really want you to anchor yourself in that and exist in a world where that is really true, where you both really just want the same thing. Doesn't mean you have to agree all the time. Doesn't mean that you will see eye to eye all the time. Doesn't mean you won't have hard and difficult conversations, but it does mean that you don't have to be enemies. And that when you keep that common marital agenda in front of you, then what you want in any given minute or what your spouse may want in any given minute is important, but it doesn't override where you both are trying to go. And so I like to think of marriage as a baby, as a newborn baby or puppy or kitten or a bird, whatever, something that is fragile and valuable and lovable and amazing that you want to take good care of. That's your responsibility as a couple. Okay. So just anchoring in that. And I want to also share with you that arguments don't just happen. They are created. They are created by two people who value what they want above the other person. They are created by two people who are pushing their own personal agenda and not considering the other person equally, okay? And it also takes two people to have an argument, right? You can't really truly argue with yourself. You can in your head, but if you are experiencing more arguments than you would like in your marriage, I want you to just think about Well, if it takes two people to argue and I don't want to argue, then what should I do? What should I do differently? Okay. And I want you to think about in your own marriage, what are the things that you find yourself arguing about the most? Just think about that, right? Just like have that in the back of your mind as we go through. I have five very practical, very tangible steps and things for you to do. Okay. So when it comes to avoiding the argument in the first place, the first thing I want to offer you is you have to have conversations when you are not highly emotionally charged. This is like ground zero, step number one. And I have created this concept where we rank our emotional reactivity. I use this with my clients all the time where you ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, 
how emotionally reactive am I? How upset am I? How sad am I? How angry am I? How disappointed am I in this moment? And you rank yourself, scale of one to 10. One is like not very emotionally reactive, super cool, super calm. And then 10 is like, I'm on fire, right? And my recommendation is that you avoid having conversations when you are at a five or higher. The reason being when you are intensely emotional and reactive to a situation, you are not going to be intentional and deliberate about how you have that conversation. You're going to be seeing red, your brain is going to be going a thousand miles a minute, and the likelihood that you are going to say something that is blaming or dismissive is higher, right? Because you're really in your own emotions. Your emotions are leading you and driving you. Okay. So it's really important that you know, in addition to sort of the ranking system, that you be able to identify for yourself when you're having these moments of high emotional reactivity. One of the signs is that you're going to want to have the conversation right away. Something's going to happen. You're going to feel immediately we need to address this. Immediately you need to know how I feel. Immediately you need to know what you did wrong. Telltale sign that you are five or above on your emotional reactivity. You also have the agenda of making sure the other person receives a message from you, right? It's not really a two-way conversation. It's, I want you to know how I feel. I want you to know what you need to do differently, right? It's like, I'm spewing out to you. And when you're spewing out, you're not going to get something beautiful back. Okay. So just keep that in mind. And you also know when you're really emotionally reactive and pushing your agenda is when you already have a solution in mind, where you already know exactly how you want them to respond, what you want them to do differently, what you want them to take away, how you want them to demonstrate that they're understanding you. So those are telltale signs that you are pretty highly emotionally reactive. All right. So a good rule of thumb is take five to 10 minutes at a minimum to calm yourself down. There will be days where you need maybe two days to calm yourself down. That's okay. But if you're in that five to 10 minute range, give yourself a little bit of distance. And I like to think about these things sometimes as exchanges where the investment, right, of that five to 10 minutes to calm yourself down get your emotions down to a five or less will save you so much more in heartache, additional frustration, agony over a conversation that does not end well at all. Okay. So that's step number one, have the conversations when you are not highly emotionally charged. The other perspective, and this is more of a mindset approach is to value the other person's perspective as much as your own. I mentioned this as we were talking about like the anatomy of an argument comes when you're not doing that. So you want to start thinking about how can I value what my spouse needs, what my spouse thinks, what they may be feeling as much as my own, right? Like this is not about agreeing or endorsing everything, but it is about appreciating and valuing. And what you want to do is you really want to just acknowledge 
the feeling and experience they may be having. And this goes for even if you're the one that's in need of something, even if you're the one that is offering complaint or criticism or an unfulfilled need or expectation, you're very in tune with how you're feeling. And then I want you to also think about what must it feel like for your spouse to receive your doable, right? No matter how kindly you say it, it's still received as I did something wrong. I'm inadequate in some way. They're unhappy with me. And I want you to just sit in the emotion of that. Like if someone's coming to you, sharing something that they're unhappy about, you feel badly about that. And when people are feeling badly, their responses range, right? So just anchoring into, wow, I'm upset. And my spouse is probably upset too, because I'm upset and I'm upset with them. Right. So just recognizing and acknowledging, hey, I'm really upset. I'm hurt here. I'm frustrated. I'm angry here. And I know this might be hard for you to hear. Just that into the conversation alone can melt some of the intensity and get you more on the same page and both feeling like, okay, what we both feel in this moment is important. Right. No one person's needs are trumping the other here. Okay. So you will want to assess if you have a tendency to do this by noticing if you dismiss or discount what your spouse says. Like, are you constantly like, that doesn't matter. No, you got it wrong. Right. Or you're correcting them all the time. And you keep trying to prove your point harder. Like you're got a chokehold on your perspective and you want to make sure they get it. Right. You also want to notice if you sort of bring up your examples of where you felt the same, right? So if it's like, hey, I'm feeling like, you know, we're not spending as much time together. Like you're very preoccupied with work. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, last month I was trying to do this with you and like on your phone, distracted, right? That is not at all what we want to be doing, right? And you also notice that you're doing this when you really want to like rationalize and explain your point, right? And so the best way that you're going to be able to achieve this acknowledging your partner's perspective is by just asking yourself the simple question, what must be going on here for them? And how can I be responsive to that even though I'm feeling the way that I feel? right? Just the simple question, what's going on for them? All right. Number three is you want to assume positive intent. You know, now when you're bringing something to your partner or you're having a conversation, it may feel like they are not your friend. It may seem like they're not your friend, but what if you assumed positive intent? What if you assumed that they do care, that they do want to understand that they do want to be responsive, that they do want to feel heard, that they do want to make things better. And you only saw their response in a positive light, even if it's not the response that you want, right? Sometimes, I don't even remember which client, but I was talking with a client and we are going through an exercise of just really finding many, many things to appreciate about communication with her husband. And one of the things she came up with was just gratitude for the fact that he would sit down and actually listen to her. Because it's true in some marriages, like there's not even the opportunity to share anything because your spouse is so resistant to even having a conversation with you. 
So where can you start assuming positive intent and looking for the positive in your communication? Okay. And I want to just remind you that anything you bring to each other in your marriage is coming from a desire to be happier together. So if you're listening to this and you're the person that's often receiving the complaint or criticism from your spouse, it is only because they are trying to be happy, right? They're searching for the connection. They're searching for the enjoyment. They're searching for fun. And that's what they're after. And so I think assuming positive intent is really important in helping you maintain an openness, a willing to hear them out and to avoid you know, any shutdown or dismissing of the other's perspective. Number four is consider that there are multiple solutions that take both of you to figure out, right? So, you know, again, depending on what are the things that you typically argue about or have conflict around, some things require a solution. And many times arguments arise because you think things should be done one way, your partner thinks things should be done the other. And so it feels like your ideas are at tug of war with each other. And I want to just introduce the idea that there are multiple solutions to anything you have to decide, anything you have to take action on, and that it will take you both to figure it out. And so that automatically puts you in sort of a team atmosphere environment where it's not that you're right and they're wrong, but it's like, how can we figure this out together? Literally, that's one of my favorite questions to just share with my clients and have them put that in their toolbox. When you're approaching a decision, how can you figure this out together, right? And what has to happen here is you have to consider the fact that you may be wrong. I know we never like to do that. We never like to think like, oh, I could actually be wrong here. But what if you are? And what if that's not a bad thing? Or what if your spouse is wrong and they recognize that they're wrong? That's not a bad thing, right? It's in the realizing like, oh, I might have this wrong. I might be looking at this the wrong way that you can actually come up with a solution that requires both of you together. Right. And the fifth thing is you have to be able to tolerate negative emotions. You have to allow them and not use them as an act of war. Right. So what do I mean by that? So tolerating negative emotions, and I use negative in air quotes because I believe that all emotions are teachers But there are some emotions that we have an aversion to, like anger and sadness and rage and disappointment and disgust, resentment, shame, guilt, inadequacy, frustration, hopelessness. But it is these emotions that often are driving us when we have conflict, right? It's these emotions that cause us to say mean things because we're trying to spew those emotions out of ourselves and onto our spouse. But if you can tolerate feeling angry and not use it as an act of war, you're just like, I'm feeling really angry, just feeling really angry right now. And just allow the anger to be there in your body. It will go away eventually. 
And so I want you to begin to ask yourself this question, like, what is the emotion I'm unwilling to feel that leads me to argue with my spouse? What is that emotion that I'm running away from that feels very uncomfortable, that it's just easier to like, you know, say something mean or dismissive or rude or complaining to them? And I want you to just entertain the idea of what would be different if I was willing to feel that emotion? How would I respond differently? What would I do differently in our conversations if I was just willing to be in communication with my spouse and hold the feeling of anger inside of me instead of spewing it onto them? Okay. So what's the one thing that you're going to really pay more attention to? Is it how emotionally reactive you are? Remember that tool, scale of one to 10, staying below a five when you have conversations. Is it valuing your partner's perspective as much as your own? Is it assuming their positive intent? Is it considering that there are multiple solutions or is it tolerating negative emotions, allowing them to be there and not needing to act out of them as an act of war against this person that you love. I want you to identify what is your work, right? And just even for the next 24 hours to really just notice the things that come up for you that would take you away from being able to fully implement this work. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. Bye. Now, if you loved this episode, you will want to download a free resource I created called 13 Beliefs to Hold On To When Marriage Gets Tough. Download it at bit.ly forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. And of course, I will be back with you next week. Until then, commit to loving your marriage again.